1: Good morning, I'm Ann Romer and welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. As you probably know, this radio show is highly invested in working with Lymphoma Canada and with several fundraising efforts, including an ongoing campaign called Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma, also an online silent auction of sports and horse racing memorabilia, also some lifestyle packages. It all begins at midnight tonight and runs through January 31st. Mika Madolo is a superstar. She's a shining light on CP24. She's going to join us on the show today to talk about her lymphoma journey and also the importance of Lymphoma Canada's fundraising efforts that includes initiatives like our online silent auction. Also friend of the show, Bob McClure had another successful campaign last year on the Woodbine Mohawk Park circuit. It saw him once again having a workmanlike session with 176 wins and purse earnings of just over $5.2 million. And our Larry Simpson had an opportunity to sit down with Bob to talk about not only his 2022 season, but the goals for this year and everything else at Woodbine Mohawk Park. Now this is cool. We're going to speak with trainer Jennifer Stein. She's the wife of Woodbine regular jockey Justin. She watched as her the backstretch dude went on to win a five and a half furlong maiden race, winning by one and one quarter lengths over his nearest rival. For Jennifer, you might say it's all in the genes. Why? Well, her parents were both jockeys and then became trainers with Jennifer herself, having a major introduction to thoroughbred racing at Hastings Park in her hometown of Vancouver. And finally, he's back. My co-host, Larry Simpson, will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine Mohawk Park and other North American tracks that are racing today with our Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a fantastic show, so please get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to go for some heavy-duty action today. When we come back, Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on some recent horse racing news.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine woodbine mohawk park ontario racing and rocket ship racing more from the track when we come
2: back on 105.9 the region go from dark horse to winner dark horse is woodbine's new easy to use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you its ai-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Ann Romer, and let me introduce you to my co-host, Larry Simpson. You're looking well today, Larry. Thank you. We want to talk about Lymphoma and Lymphoma Canada and the silent auction that begins tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. First of all, let's talk about the silent auction. Great way to raise funds for Lymphoma Canada. What are some of the items that really pique your interest?
5: Uh, We have a lot, really. Um, We've got a uh, driving suit by uh, Hall of Fame, uh, Statenberg driver Ron White. Waples, and then there's also some autographed uh, photos and uh, artwork of his. Um, Chantelle Sutherland, a friend of the show, Ron Waples is a friend of the show as well, I forgot to say that. Uh, Chantelle Sutherland, the uh, champion jockey, she uh, um, donated a a signed pair of uh, her uh, riding pants and also a pair of boots, and apparently the boots she wore uh, when she uh, raced in the uh, Breeders' Cup in California.
1: Remember the song, These Boots Are Made for Walking? In this case, these boots are made for riding.
5: For riding, I yeah. I love it.
1: And it's all part of the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma silent auction, which goes live tomorrow, mm-hmm. 15th of January, and right. runs until the 31st. Right. Woodbine Entertainment has just contributed some fantastic packages, but we're going to tell you about that a little later.
5: Yeah, you'll have to listen to the end <laughs> of the show. So, And you will not <laughs> want to
1: miss what's going to happen next. My dear friend a bright light on CP24. She is a superstar. She has had a very personal journey with lymphoma. Mika Madolo joins us now on Ponies 24-7. Hi, Mika. Hi there, Annie. Hi there, Larry. Hi. (laughs) So, Mika, what happened? Let's go back in time to when you've had your diagnosis. What were the signs and symptoms and irregularities leading up to finally a diagnosis?
6: You know, um, I, you know, I was struggling before with a lot of uh, menstrual issues and uh, they couldn't find anything wrong with that at first. So we just time and time again, I was just like, okay, that's fine. And then I started feeling tired. I started getting night sweats and the sweats or not just like a normal little sweat. You're like, Ooh, I'm hot. It's like, you're dripping, you're soaking in the swimming pool. Like, and I had to change my sheets. I had to put towels on the bed. Um, It was that bad. And I was just tired and exhausted. It didn't matter how much I slept. And then the sleeping got worse. I couldn't sleep at night. I had pains on the left side of my chest, and there was numbness from my neck down to my legs. And it just got worse. And it felt like I had COVID. I tested for COVID, and it was during COVID times. I tested time and time again, and it always came back negative. Mm -hmm. And it was just – I felt – Sick. I felt like I had pneumonia or bronchitis or because I was having difficulty breathing, catching my breath, just walking from the kitchen to the washroom, which is like 10 meters away, not even. And it was just, it was tiring. And it was like during work, I was exhausted. I was at that time working from home as the days progressed. And I was like, oh, no, you know what? I'm just feeling a little off i'm just feeling a little off i was getting progressively tired during the daytime as i was doing my my hits on tv i was falling asleep in between my hits like that quick that's how tired i was Mm. it was extreme it wasn't just a light fatigue where you're tired walking up a flight of stairs it was so de-energizing it was just so much energy was just poured out of me and there was so much pain on my left side um, I was walking with my friends a few times, and I was always like, you know, there was just something nagging inside me. I was just too afraid to go to the hospital, but I was always telling them, like, if there's something happens, make sure that my children know that I love them, and um, it was just, it was terrifying. There was just something inside me. I knew something was wrong, yeah. but I didn't know exactly what it was, and because during COVID, I was afraid to go to the hospital, I just kept on putting it off and putting it off, yeah. and then two days after, I had some physiotherapy. I couldn't move my neck. I couldn't move my, my chest or my arms. Even though I was doing Pilates and yoga in the morning, nothing was curing it. I was just, you know, exhausted, tired, in pain. I took another COVID test. I found out I was negative again. And then I just, I said, you know what, I'm just going to the hospital. And they did some tests. They thought it was heart problems or blood clots. And they did some of those tests. And then they did some blood work. And um, so once, a whole bunch of X-rays and and MRIs, and they they sent me to a CAT scan. I just they were like, okay, wait, you know what? It's fear you're just sick, then we'll call you tomorrow. So they put me in a waiting room. I was all by myself. It was it was really terrifying because I was alone. And so I called my husband to come pick me up. Claudia was coming to pick me up, and it was like literally um, two minutes after that, uh, the nurse is like, oh, the doctor wants to talk to you. And I said, okay. So we went back into the room, and she's like, well, we found something. I'm like, I bet you it's bronchitis because I've had that before or pneumonia. And she's like, okay, well, if you think that, she goes, well, we think it's cancer. And I was mm. like, no way, it's not cancer. It can't be cancer. And it was on my, on my aorta and also my chest and my neck.
1: Wow. Um, mm.
6: And I found nodes in my liver and my kidneys, but thankfully those were benign. But, and everything above my diaphragm. So I was listed as a stage two non-Hodgkin um, lymphoma, B-cell lymphoma with a large bulky disease. So it was very terrifying, very emotional. They kept me in the hospital because they couldn't figure out exactly what type of cancer it was. So at the end of, um, at the beginning of June, because it was actually May 28th when I got diagnosed with cancer, they weren't specified in the beginning, and then it was two weeks later that it was specified it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It was terrifying. Um, I was like, I can't leave. I'm not leaving my children. And yeah. And we had to fight, yeah. right? It was, it was terrifying.
5: Yeah, and it's it's almost that like you're in denial too, right? That uh, no, yeah. I haven't got cancer. It's it's got to be something else. Your 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 tests are wrong.
6: Right. Exactly. Like yeah. I work out. I eat healthy. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. go to sleep early. I, you know, it's I, you know, I have. I play with my kids. I I teach Pilates. I'm I I don't have cancer. And yeah, uh, and I still didn't, you know, process in my mind until I did my PET scan that showed, um, it shows the images in your system of where the cancer lies. And um, and then they told me, as soon as, not even a half a day later, they called me back into Sunnybrook. And I said, okay, well, we have to start doing chemotherapy. And then uh, it was extreme. It had to be, um, it was very extreme, very hard, a very hard course of chemo, an aggressive course of chemo, because my cancer was so aggressive, which is great, because, I mean, it sounds that I'm so excited that it was aggressive. But the more aggressive it is, the better it gets treated and taken care of and faster and harder, too, right, and stronger.
1: Mika, what kept you going through those grueling sessions of chemotherapy and everything else that was the fallout of the chemotherapy? And you and I spoke every week, uh, and and I know what you went through, but please share this with our listeners. Oh, gosh, Uh, my
6: children, my children, my husband, my mom and dad, my dog, Coco. Oh, my friends, um, every one of them. And I told myself I'm going to be there when my children graduate from university and, you know, be there for when they, you know, maybe they get married and have children. I want grandchildren. And, and I was going to make it. and I'm going to travel the world. My husband brought a map. Cause I had to stay in the hospital mm-hmm. for a week while they were doing tests. Mm-hmm. My husband brought a map. And he's like, where are we going? And I'm like, here, here, here. And I said, that we're traveling the world. And as soon as I find out that we're in remission, so I'm going to get into remission and I'm going to make
1: it. I'm going to make it and you have and made it yep. Yep. and you made it and you may, and I know that it's still very emotional for you.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're also now kind of an ambassador for lymphoma Canada, correct? You, you are doing some work with them and, uh, um, and let, let's talk about that. And, and also our don't horse around with lymphoma campaign and our silent auction, which begins on the uh, 15th. Um, how important are fundraisers like this do you think?
7: I think it's
6: very important. You know, without Lymphoma Canada, without any telling me about Lymphoma Canada, um, I spoke to one of the representatives there. She was amazing. She got me to join a lot of webinars. They helped you understand what you're going through, what's out there, what what we can do. They gave me support in finding a cancer support group. Um, They gave me ideas on what to ask the doctors because you don't know what to ask the doctors. I mean, I'm a reporter and I went to school for journalism. And, you know, you just you're just so scared, like you're just. You have nothing in your brain except fear, and then once you go to chemo, you, I mean, you just you can't even think properly. And so they've helped me along my way, my journey. I'd ask them about a certain medication that the hospital gave me because I had low white like, blood cell counts, and I had needles and injections all the time to get them back up. And I would call Lymphoma Canada, and then they would, you know, just guide me through things and help me make me feel better about what I'm doing and feel, you know, more confident and more. More knowledge. They gave me more knowledge to what I should be expecting and what to ask for. Really, without lymphoma Canada, without them guiding me and helping me, I don't know where I would. I'm. I'm so grateful for Lymphoma Canada, and as much as I can help them out, I will always help them out. I will always be there. There are certain types of family that I will never let go of. I have a, a counselor that told me that I'm part of a group that I've never wanted to be part of, but I'm in love with them, and I love being part of that group now. And It will forever be part of my family and part of my life and an extension of me.
1: Mika, why is it important that people think about donating to support Lymphoma Canada? I understand everything that they've done for you and you've done for them, but let's talk about the broader scope, and that would be people taking the time to be involved in campaigns like Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma, finding ways to raise funds to support Lymphoma Canada so they can continue to support you and Larry and everybody else who's been touched by lymphoma.
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't know who's going to ca- get cancer. I didn't know I was going to get cancer. It doesn't run in my family. Um, it just, it can strike anyone. It is the fifth most common cancer out there and it can strike anyone in any form. Everyone's cancer is so different. Everyone's experience is so different. Test yourself. Go to Imploma Canada. Let them help you out. They are there to help you. They are there to help each and every person out there. They're able to help educate you, help guide you through what you have to be. And and they do love. You don't feel like you're just a, a number. You feel like a person when you call Imploma Canada and you're part of it. The doctors that they get, the webinar that I've been part of, the the podcast that I've been part of and, and listened to and educated myself on, it's it's informative. It it helps you um, gain a little bit of hope and strength in the sense that you know what you're understanding because they don't make it sound as though you know what it's it's something that you can't con, you know con, concept a concept in your head you can't grasp it but you can it's just it's very informative you feel very welcoming. You, it helps you alleviate a little bit of stress and anxiety in your heart. Not much, but it is a lot more than what you would get without being part of Lymphoma Canada. They are there for each and every single person, either if you're a support caregiver or if you are a cancer patient yourself. It's it's wonderful. My husband and I both joined a whole bunch of series together, and it's just it helped us so much.
5: And I guess, you know, finally, uh, one thing that we haven't touched on is... Lymphoma can also affect horses and Mm -hmm. uh, a great horse, Hall of Fame horse by the name of some beach somewhere uh, actually died from lymphoma. And uh, so that's kind of another, you know, uh, reason why uh, we're, you know, tying the show in with Lymphoma Canada and that. And, and it's the same thing. It it kind of, that disease kind of creeped up on some beach somewhere. They didn't know what he was, what he had or whatever. And uh, so I guess, you know, you've hit the nail on the head that, uh, yeah, support, uh, support projects like don't horse around with lymphoma. And because, you know, you got to find a cure somehow, right?
6: absolutely find a cure you know it doesn't as you can see he was very active the horse was very active he had lots of exercise he ran it doesn't happen to just dormant people it happens to anyone anywhere any animal any person that you love and that animal is someone special to someone's heart and you know it's just so sad and so terrifying so if we can help them um, in any way that would be great lymphoma canada is amazing amazing
1: Wow. Broadcaster Mika Madola, warrior, superstar, (laughs) my dear, dear friend, thank you so much for joining us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you for having me. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Annie. Love you, Annie. Love you, Mika. When we come back, friend of the show, standard bread driver Bob McClure joins us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine
0: ponies 24 7 the radio magazine brought to you by woodbine woodbine mohawk park ontario racing and rocket ship racing follow us on twitter at 1059 the region we'll be right back
2: enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with hpibet.com the number one betting site for experienced horse players join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to hpibet.com to join for free today.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, Woodbine Mohawk Park driver Bob McClure had another very successful season in 2022 with 176 wins and purse earnings of just over, are you ready, $5.2 million. Our Larry Simpson had the chance to sit down with Bob recently to talk more about not only last year, but what goals he set for himself this year, 2023, at Woodbine Mohawk
5: Park. Larry? Larry? Oh, Bob, Happy New Year. Uh, thanks for doing this. Let, let's talk about 2022. You drove 176 winners and purse earnings of over $5.2 million. Uh, were you happy with that? Uh, well, I was happy given the
8: circumstances. Uh, obviously, I, I had to sit on the shelf for a long time. I was uh, with a broken arm for a good mm-hmm. chunk of the beginning of the year and the end of 2021. But I mean, it was uh, it's uh, it's part of the job. But uh, I think uh, I scrambled well, and towards the end of the year, I had uh, I had some big uh, big wins and some big mounts uh, show up. So I made the most of it.
5: Talk about some of the highlights then. Of obviously breaking your arm wasn't a highlight, but some of the positive <laughs> highlights.
8: I drove a couple horses that really uh, you know they're courses that not many people get to drive in their career uh one being Xenia Hanover she was uh, probably one of the fastest trotters I ever drove and she was she was quite entertaining because she could uh she could give you some real highs and some real lows in in the same week but uh the highlight of the year for sure was Sylvia Hanover there were there were no lows with her she's
5: she's just a phenomenal horse and she ended up winning the breeder's crown at the end of the year which they're hard races to win so when uh the season ended and you had a few days off in between before the new season started did you reflect back and say yeah i'm, I'm kind of happy with what i did but i want to do something different in in 2023 well I, I i don't think i'd do anything
8: different just just try and you know work hard and you need you need luck in this position so hopefully you have some luck uh, you know and your, your accounts change, personnel change, uh, people you drive for change, and uh, I'd say 2023, that's going to be the biggest thing for me is uh, just different people coming in out of your, uh, you know, and now. So uh, I, th- I think just trying to represent everybody as best I can would be my biggest goal.
5: Yeah. Now you were you were mentioning your accounts change, and that maybe for our listeners, Bob, talk about how do you secure a drive? Do you go out and, and do you sell yourself, or does somebody come to you and say, "I, I want you to drive this horse"? Well, I think mostly people come to you and they they
8: uh, kind of contract you to drive their horses, but usually you, a lot of times you you ride stables. You know, I've got stables that show up every year with stakes caliber horses. That uh, and you know, I'm usually their go-to guy, and uh, I, I offer back the same kind of commitment. You know, if I've got two choices in a race, I lean their way. You know, it's a mutually beneficial. But uh, then sometimes you just get lucky and you just pick up a, a superstar for somebody that you don't usually drive for. So. But yeah, I don't. I don't do much selling. There are drivers out there that are really good at selling themselves, like politicians. But uh, <laughs> it's not something I've ever been very good at. So I just kind of let my driving do the talking.
5: Right, and I guess when you get an opportunity to qualify a horse in the morning, that's a way of kind of selling yourself and 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 maybe adding to your business. Correct.
8: Well, it is a you know it's one of those things. You you show up, you don't get paid for. It, but uh, if you're there and you're available sometimes you can pick up opportunities um, that's that's pretty well how I picked up uh, Sylvia Hanover I wasn't even listed to driver uh, one morning uh, James McDonald who uh, was the top driver in Canada this year he had a choice of going with two and he chose the other one not knowing what Sylvia Hanover was and she ended up being the best horse in all of North America so sometimes you just gotta get lucky
5: would you say that she was the best horse that you've ever driven or has there been others? Uh, no,
8: I, I'd have to say Forbidden Trade still right. holds a, a spot for me. I mean, we won the biggest race in the world together. I think uh, it would take quite a quite a horse to, for me to say that something else is the best I've ever driven. I'd say she's as good as anything I've ever driven. She would have been undefeated this year, but she got plagued with a bad post one night and she got beat about six inches. But uh, It'll be interesting to see what she goes on and does at three. I mean, that's a two. She's only raised for one year. But if she comes out at a three and she can replicate it, mm-hmm. I think uh, all of a sudden she's going to be in the conversation for one of the best Phillies of all time.
5: Yeah. Okay. Now, we, um, we had, uh, you mentioned James McDonald. We had uh, James on the show last week, and I asked him this question. I'm going to ask you the same. Uh, how do you prepare? your drives at night like do you get the program and you go through it and it's almost like a handicapper you look and say oh this horse is going to leave so I might follow this horse or uh, this horse isn't going to leave so I'm going to try to get to the front how do you do it Uh, I think uh, we'd be pretty similar you know we both uh, I think the night before we both take a program home we we do a little bit of studying and then
8: when we get to the races, uh, you know, then you find out the scratches, the changes, and you just try and mentally prepare yourself. I know James, his, uh, his pre, race routines usually just talk a lot, you know, not a whole lot of mm-hmm. silence with him. <laughs> He'd be perfect for a radio
5: interview, except you wouldn't get any words in. <laughs> well, we've had him on a few times and I think you're right.
8: <laughs> yeah, no, he's a, he's a great guy to
5: talk to for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, if you, um, you know, you're, you're in family, your family ties, right? You, uh, your family was all involved in, in that, in, in the horse racing industry. Uh, was there ever any chance that maybe you wouldn't follow the same path?
8: Uh, yeah, for for a long time it didn't look very good. Uh, when I was, uh, you know, first got my license for the first five, six years, it, it didn't work out very well. I was... Uh, Working full-time construction, plowing snow, and stuff like that, and I couldn't really get the ball rolling. I just didn't think it was for me. I wasn't very successful at it. And then, right around 2014, things started to change. Uh, some drivers moved on from the B-tracks, and uh, my career kind of just took off from there. And uh, l- looking back now. Uh, Yeah, well, for example, a good friend of mine, he moved to the States in 2013, and I was doing construction, and when he came back, I was leading driver in Canada, and he was like, what happened?
5: (laughs) So so what was the secret to the success? Was it you just had a different attitude or No, I'd say opportunity. Uh like I said, a couple drivers moved out. Uh
8: Trevor Henry he he had the bulk of the power on the V tracks, he moved to Woodbine. Mm-hmm. A couple of his stables started using me and you know, opportunity's key and from there uh I just got lucky.
5: Yeah. Now I guess staying on the same topic, you just mentioned B tracks and that, and you've driven your share of B tracks, half mile tracks, you've driven the Meadowlands, uh, you've driven uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park, uh, you know, which are your larger tracks. Do you, um, you know, prepare differently uh, for a race? Is there a different strategy that you use on a half mile track compared to, you know, a larger track like the Meadowlands or by Mohawk Park?
8: Yeah, definitely. Uh, on the bigger tracks, um, to commit to, say, first over, you know, being the first one to advance on the outside, you you better have a lot of horsepower in front of you because that's a long, grueling grind. Uh, you really have to conserve as much as you can on the big tracks, uh, where on the small tracks it's a little different. You know, you want to be as aggressive as possible. You know, first up's not a terrible spot on a half because it's so hard to pass. So, yeah, when you get onto a smaller size track, you can be a lot more aggressive. Where you go onto a bigger track, you got to be a little bit more conservative.
5: Is it, is it tough, though? Like, um, say you drive at a track like Clinton, which is a half-mile track in the afternoon, and then you'll go to Woodbine Mohawk Park at night. Is it tough getting into that mindset that hey wait a minute I was just on a half mile track now I've got to get onto you know with the big boys again is there a change in your mindset then
8: I don't I don't find there is for me no? but I do see it a lot in drivers that are regulars on a half I do see it uh, they sometimes struggle with the adjustment um, you know they if they ninety nine percent of their drivers are on a half and then they come to woodbine or you know the metallands then you can see that there's a struggle for them uh, it's almost like the race in seven eighths of a mile sometimes but that's just something that takes a lot of time and uh, you, you kind of it just gets embedded into you but no for me personally I don't have that issue
5: okay what about idols the uh, drive driving idols was there somebody that you idolized
8: well right now I would have to say everybody's in awe of dexter dunn uh, in the u.s yeah. He's
5: he's
8: just he's just links ahead of everybody else you know he he's the clear best driver in the world and there really isn't anybody close to him
5: what makes him so good
8: i, I wish i could tell you because i'd replicate <laughs> it <laughs> but uh certainly one thing he's got going for him he's an extremely nice person he's kind of like a james mcdonald very friendly nice to everybody mm-hmm. i don't think he's got a bad bone in his body but uh as for somebody else who I idolize I'd say Brian Sears I think he's pretty cool and he's uh for being you know a little older he's still got amazing hands and still a great driver
5: right right now okay we, we've rolled into uh, 2023 now uh you've driven a couple of weeks I guess you'd say at Woodbine Mohawk Park you've had some success uh besides staying healthy any goals for yourself this year? Uh, That is it. Uh, That was the
8: one goal I sent. I said, if I can keep every limb I have intact this year, that'd be awesome. (laughs) It'd be the first time in a while. And yeah, no, I've been very happy with the way the year started. Uh, I was bugging James last night. I said, you know, back to the way things are supposed to be, I'm lead driver and you're sitting fourth.
5: (laughs) (laughs) And and what was his response?
8: (laughs) Uh, Oh, he, he... doesn't say much bad. He just laughed and probably said something derogatory.
5: You've kind of proven yourself in the past, right? And you've been able to bounce back, and and you know, hopefully that stays the same for you. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's uh, it's tough
8: to mentally and physically come back. So uh, just glad I'm on the right track
5: now. Right, and this just finally, I just want to get your opinion on something like. Have you noticed a change in basically the 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 crowds at Woodby Mohawk Park and the smaller tracks now? Are you seeing more younger people?
8: No, not really, and I hope uh, an efforts made to get mm-hmm. them out soon. Uh I think I think that's where our game's really lacking behind. I think somebody needs to I think we need to hire somebody, a professional, to draw out a younger crowd. I think there's ways you could do it. I don't think, I don't think enough effort's made to get um, the younger generation or really anybody out to the races.
5: Right. Yeah, well said. Okay, thanks for doing this, and good luck in 2023, and stay healthy.
1: After the break, when we come back, Woodbine trainer Jennifer Stein joins us on Ponies 24-7, The Radio Magazine.
0: Ponies 24-7, The Radio Magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert, Elisa Blow, and learn about standard-bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates, and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com horse-ownership
2: today.
7: COSA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSA website at COSAonline.com or call 905-854-2672.
0: This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, The Radio Magazine. Covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Larry Simpson, I'm very excited to talk to our next guest, Jennifer Stein. Tell me what you know about Jennifer.
5: Uh, Trainer. Yes. Uh, Won her first race on uh, November 27th. At Woodbine.
1: Husband is a jockey, I understand. Is uh,
5: Justin Stein at yes. Woodbine, so yeah.
1: Victory is hers, and she's ours now. <laughs> our guest here on Ponies 24-7, Jennifer Stein, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, what did it feel like for you to have your first race victory as a trainer? It was on November 27th. Tell us how that felt. Emotional.
9: I. It was between laughing and crying, um, hearing my partners, Isaac and Tess, above me screaming. And knowing, coming around the turn, you know, my horse had it. He pushed away from the other competition quite easily and, and uh, set sail for home. It was, hmm. it was awesome.
5: And the horse's name was the Backstretch Dude, right? Yes. Yeah, And uh, he, he was purchased for $3,000 wow. at the CTHS yearling sale. Who was the one that selected him?
9: Isaac actually, mm-hmm. he um, he questioned me about coming to look at a horse and if he went for five thousand or under, you know how I felt about about buying him. And we brought him out, and he just he had that disposition, you know. He had uh, he had his head up in the air. He was not nervous or or put off by the sale and all the antics going on. He just you could tell he had a good mind. He had confidence. He had a nice Shoulder nice build to him, um, and I told Isaac, I don't know if we'll get him for five thousand, but we'll
1: try. And we ended up getting mm. him for less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jennifer, how did you put together your strategy when it came to training him, based on what you knew about him on purchase, but as you got to know him, how did you train him? Easy,
9: you know, we we took it easy on him. It was a little bit of touch and go. You know, two year olds they have you know, developmental problems, mostly um, as they're still young, um, their bone development. It it takes, you know, some time. Some are late developers. Some, you know, you can keep going with. Um, He was a bit of a late developer. He's still growing. He's going to come back this spring a large, a large horse. Um, So, you know, we just took it day by day and that seemed to work.
5: And you've got some family ties in the business, correct? Besides just uh, Justin, uh, both uh, both your parents talk about yes, that.
9: both my yeah both my parents uh, trained. My mom still trains. She has one horse uh, coming back into spring training this year. Uh, my dad, he's broke babies um, for Peter Redicott for years now. Um, they were both jockeys. My grandpa trained. He had a horse named Big Cheese, who I actually nicknamed the backstretch dude Cheddar after. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it goes back in the family.
1: And you married into it as well. Let's talk about your relationship with Justin, at least on the track, and also with the backstretch dude. How does it all come together? He's the best. I mean, your family's your best team
5: at
9: the end of the day, and working with him and, and seeing him and the backstretch dude form their relationship was really special for me to see. And he's, you know, he's just such a good horseman all around. He's, he pays attention to them. He can get horses to do almost anything. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and you actually started out at Hastings park in, in Vancouver where I've, you know, spent some time at as well. Um, Talk about the environment at Hastings compared to a track like uh, Woodbine.
9: It's a lot smaller. Um, you know, every time you step out of the barn, someone's saying, hey, Jen, morning, or, or you know, welcoming each other or asking someone for help. It's, it's a lot of a closer kind of family feel you get there. Um, I grew up with a lot of great mentors, whereas Woodbine, it's, it's a big racetrack. There's a lot of room. Um, sometimes you see the person that trains right across from you maybe once a week.
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> there are also some really significant players, if you will, at Woodbine and probably heroes to you. Who do you look up to at Woodbine?
9: Josie Carroll, she's been a trailblazer. Um, definitely as a woman, you know, in the Canadian Racing Hall of Fame, she's going to go down as one of the best. I got to work for her at Palm Meadows last um last spring and I helped her out a little bit in the summer as well and she's she's got a great team and and she does a really good job uh Lauren Richards who I was assistant for another big mentor um yeah those are two that come to mind
5: so one of the goals for 2023 for you would be to maybe add some more horses to your stable
9: Yes, for sure. I've got one filly coming out from Alberta who's on the Oaks Trail. Her name's Catch the Dream. Um, so far, that's it, but as you know, it gets closer to the spring, I'll, I'm sure I'll get some messages, people asking if I want to take a horse, and if not, then I'll be claiming a couple and privately buying some more.
1: It sounds yeah. like you're becoming really comfortable with this process. Can you describe uh, Catch the Dream? She sounds like a, a, a wonderful filly.
9: Yeah, she is. She uh, the owners just recently reached out to me um, in the winter. But yeah, she ran some really good races in Alberta. She ran third in a stake. She was moved up to second because the the second place finisher came down from an inquiry. So she got moved up to second. But she was figuring it out. She had some gate issues her first couple starts, and then the third start, which was the stake. She showed improvement leaving the gate. So. We'll work with her a little bit on, on the gate when she gets here. The backstretch dude's like a bullet leaving the gate, so <laughs> maybe he can teach her some stuff. Um, but, but yeah, I'm really excited to to get her out here.
5: And let's go back to the backstretch dude for a minute uh, and his ownership uh, group. Uh, they've got some standard Bread connections, correct?
9: Yes, they own and train um, standard breds. Isaac and Tess, they breed their own. They full out the, the babies on their farm. Um, they're, they, they've been a big a big player in standard breeds for sure.
1: Talk to me about that relationship with Isaac and Tess. It's a very important relationship at this point.
9: Yeah, Justin knew both of them a little bit. Uh, when he was here years ago, he rode a horse for them, Addy Bear. It was the first thoroughbred they ever owned. And she wasn't she couldn't run very fast. She's a jumper now. Um, so he we met them at the sale and it was just kind of a coincidence, you know, bumped into them, said hi and and we ended up buying that horse. It was very unexpected, but it's turned into a a profitable relationship. Yeah.
3: And
5: I guess we should point out Isaac and Tess is Isaac and Tess waxman, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, uh, your, your husband, Justin, he rode the horse for you that day, right? Did, did he also work the horse out in the morning and come back to you and and, and say, yeah, I think you need to do this or no, no, she felt good. Uh, And, and then after that, when he rode her in the race, what was he like when he came back? <laughs>
9: <Good> question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he galloped him up to the race almost every day uh, for, for a few months there, um, and he breezed him, and there, he didn't have many complaints about him. The only time he ever said anything to me was before he was turned out in June. I gave him two months off, and that was the only time before then, he, and I saw it too. You know, I came back, I said, he didn't look. Hundred percent, he said. Yeah, he, he kind of trained himself really easy. So we gave him two months off and came back. And after that, you know, there there were no issues. Um, he was very excited. I don't know if you watched the race, but when he crossed the wire, it was like he won the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, he was pump fisting.
5: <laughs> yeah, he was
9: so happy. You know, we've watched the replay countless times, and and every time it, you still get that
1: feeling. You know Justin Stein, your husband, as we all know, is one of Woodbine's leading jockeys. Was there ever any doubt in your mind, Jennifer, that he would ride the back st- stretch dude?
9: No, I knew that. I knew that he would take him over over any horse, whether Kevin Attard or Josie Carroll or Mark Cassie had something in there. He was he was loyal to to me and and our and our horse. Mm.
5: But what if you want to get rid of him?
6: But... <laughs> you
9: mean her husband
5: or the? <laughs> no, as a jockey, I mean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd be getting in trouble later.
5: <laughs>
1: you know, I, I got to ask you, and 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 it's a question that someday I hope I never have to ask. Uh, being a trainer, it it was a man's world. Is it still today? No, I think women are are slowly. Um, getting
9: the respect they need. I've always said, you know, women do have a, a special, a special connection with, with horses and, and animals in general, you know, they're a little softer, um, horses sometimes, you know, they, they soften with, with a woman. Um, and I, I think that, I mean, I think that's. I don't, I don't think it's a man's world. Um, I think that women have been criticized uh, for sure in the past. You know, um, I've seen owners take horses away from from women and give them to a male trainer, and the horses run the same. So, I, yeah, it's it's hard for me to to, to kind of compare the two, just because I've seen so many women like Josie Carroll and Barb Mitchell, you know, compete, you know, head in head with with some of the best.
5: Yeah. And you've always kind of had a sports background, right? Uh, talk about you—you were—you were big in soccer, right?
9: Yes, yeah, soccer. I played from the time I could walk uh, through high school. Um, I did in my knee pretty good, so it came to an end. Um, but I mean, i no regrets. I'm—I'm I'm so happy doing what I'm
1: doing. Jennifer what advice have you for anyone listening right now who would like to be involved in horse racing and in particular at your level as a trainer
9: Dream big you know no no dream is is too large in this industry they're they're not machines they're they're horses and they're they're animals that you mold yourself you know we we molded the backstretch dude into a really nice nice horse not just you know talented as a as a racehorse but also so nice to deal with all the time and i think that you know dreaming is is a big part of that you know think think about what you're after every day and it'll come true work hard and and never lose that positive you know that positive flow
5: final question for you jennifer What can we expect the backstretch uh, dude? What's his schedule for uh, the spring going forward?
9: Hopefully we get his first start into him by June, um, going six furlongs, three quarters, for the non-40, or the the optional 40, non-2, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, And then hopefully I can stretch him out to seven-eighths and he'll get the distance. He did win going five and a half, but Justin said, uh, there was definitely room for, for more ground there. So if we can stretch out the seven eights, I'd love to try him in the Elgin Stakes. It's for the Ontario sired mm-hmm. horses that you buy out of the sale, and you get 10000 if you win it towards a, a yearling purchase in the sale the next week. I think that he could win the Elgin Stakes, you know, if it doesn't come up too tough. Um, and, I mean, who knows? He could really... could really develop into a nice three-year-old and that's what we're hoping for
5: yeah well like you say you got to dream big eh so Mm -hmm. uh dream big and thanks for doing this jennifer
1: No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jennifer Stein, winning trainer. Really appreciate all you've said. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine Mohawk Park and, of course, some racing at several other North American tracks. So please make sure your HPI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stay with us now for Larry's Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk.com. Park, Ontario Racing and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059Theregion.com.
7: Discover a new breed of excitement with live horse racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to Ontario New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering platform and the Dark Horse app
0: This is 105.9 The Region, Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocketship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. It's time now, Larry, for your Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocketship Racing. But first, can you please let us know what fabulous silent auction items Woodbine Entertainment has just donated?
5: Ding, 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 <laughs> ding. This just in. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news. Woodbine Entertainment have given us, you could say, two uh, vouchers, uh, dinner vouchers. That basically includes a whole guest experience uh, uh, and you have your choice of the Stella Terrace at uh, Woodbine Racetrack or the Woodbine Club Dining Room. So uh, uh, what you get if, uh, if you choose the Stella Terrace, and it's the same with both of them, you get uh, with Stella Terrace, you get a patio experience, there's outdoor seating with exceptional views, dining for four on the terrace, including one appetizer, entree, and dessert per person, and a non-alcohol beverage, a guided paddock tour, So you can go down and see the horses. And then there's a priceless race presentation experience with a photo provided to uh, the host. And uh, the date selection is Thursday through Sunday on live race days, excluding uh, the Diamond Stakes races like the Queen's Plate and that. So you've got that, and you've also got the Woodbine Club. And these are valued, both of these packages are valued about $750. Wow,
1: that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so that's great. Here's where to go to be a part of the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma Silent Auction, uh, up and running starting tomorrow, January 15th. Go to lymphoma.ca. And now, Larry, it's time for your ponies' Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing.
5: Uh, yes, I'm going to see if I can pick some winners here so I can uh, bid on the, one of those uh, dinners <laughs> packages, right? Yeah. So, and you're, the taking, guest experience. I,
1: you're taking us, right? Uh-huh. Producer Phil and your co-host. Well, maybe. Okay. (laughs) I'll think about that. All
5: right. Let's start at Aqueduct. They have a nine race card today in uh, New York. And race five is a maiden special weight for two-year-olds, a purse of $80,000. It's seven furlongs on the dirt. Number five, Venge, raced very greenly in his debut on December 16th at Aqueduct. Venge was bumped hard coming out of the gate, but the key is that he was well thought of that day being bet down to to two-to-one odds. Uh, He's had two nice works since that debut. Also picks up Blasix and also leading jockey Dylan Davis. So that's two positives right there for this horse. And also, uh, Venge is very well-bred. He's the son of the champion Gunrunner, and the Gunrunners have been running fabulous uh, the last uh, year. So Uh, based on on pedigree, he should enjoy stretching out from the 6 furlong distance to uh, today's 7 furlong distance. So there's lots to like with this guy. Aqueduct race 5, number 5, Venge. Uh, Gulfstream has an 11 race card today, and race 10 is the $75,000 Sunshine Sprint Stakes for four-year-olds and up. Number two, Gadsby, actually won this race last year and since has had a nice prep for today's event at Tampa, finishing third after coming off a short break uh, last month. Gadsby shows a decent four-furlong work on December 31st, looks to have the right racing style for today's event, which he should be able to sit off the fast pace and then uh, pounce in the stretch on the speed. Uh, Gatsby picks up top jockey Louis Sayez. and his trainer Carlos David is a great 22% with horses, making their second start off a layoff of 45 to 180 days. So Gulfstream Park, race 10, number 2, Gatsby. And then finally we got Woodbine Mohawk Park. They have an 11-race card, and I'm going right to race 1, a 1-mile one pace for a purse at $21,000. Listen to this name. Number eight, Jabberwocky. Oh. Yeah. Imagine, uh, you know, Ken Middleton calling that horse, Jabberwocky, you know, (laughs) had missed a couple of uh, weeks prior to uh, last week's start. And despite the layoff, I think that Jabberwocky performed very well as he cleared to the front just past the quarter pole. And he went a long way on the front end until tiring late in the stretch, which you expected him to do when he was off two or three weeks there. And he finished fifth there. Uh, with that race under his belt, I think Jabberwocky should uh, fare better tonight and should be able to uh, clear to the front from his eight post. Also, uh, after missing a week, regular driver Sylvan Filion is back in the bike tonight. So there's a lot to like with this horse too. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race one, number eight, Jabberwocky. And I just wanted to point out, I usually have a Santa Anita play on Saturday. Well, Santa Anita is canceled because of the rainstorms in uh, in California. But they are racing in place of Saturday. They are going to race on Monday.
1: Larry, thank you, as always. Wonderful working with you. And I want to give a big shout-out to Mark at Fans of Horse Racing. Hey, Mark. And a final goodbye to everyone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. A reminder, if you'd like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine, and a new one will be released shortly, email Larry at theponies247experience at gmail.com. And don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign, Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma. For more info, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca forward slash ponies. And please donate to the cause. Remember, our online silent auction of great sports and horse racing memorabilia and guest experiences starts January 15th, runs until the 31st of this month. Once again, go to Lymphoma Canada's website where you'll see the items displayed and you'll be able to keep visiting the site to check on whether your bid is still live and also have a sneak peek at new items that will be added over the next few days. Stay with us here on 105.9 The Region all weekend long. And again, thank you for listening.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Ann Romer and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocketship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more from the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.